Hello and welcome back to Mission 2819, a podcast on discipleship. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what is going on in the world. Um, I know it's been a while since I last put an episode up, and a lot has taken place. So kind of want to just go through what's really going on in the world, and let's take a look at it through the lens of Scripture and uh, see how we can respond and what we should be doing as an individual who believes in Jesus and as a church as a whole. So I welcome you back to Mission 2819, and I look forward to spending some more time with you. It is pretty wild what we have going on in the world today, and I know so many of us have been focused on what's been going on over in Russia and Ukraine and uh, the war there, and now we're seeing the Middle East break out with uh, some warfare that's never been seen before. Um, Even during the times um, of Jesus' ministry, there was was war then, um, and actually... Back in Matthew 24, um, during the time of the Olivet Discourse, that's where we're hearing about the signs of Christ's return, the perilous times, the glorious return, the parable of the fig tree. There was one of the worst sieges of Jerusalem that actually took place um, during those times. And one of the interesting things about it, too, is that... um, during that time, when Jesus was talking uh, to his disciples through this Olivet Discourse taking place up on the Mount of Olives, he would have been first, before giving um, this teaching, he would have been walking with his disciples through the streets going up to the Mount of Olives and um, walking through Herod's temple, which uh, was actually under reconstruction for about 60 years prior and there would be another 10 years, uh, 10 to 12 years of reconstruction to continue. Now, when Jesus said, not a stone here will stand, he was actually talking about Herod's temple. And if you could imagine, if you were following Jesus and his disciples and hearing that, that would have been something so profound, saying not a stone will stand of this temple. Really? I mean... What Herod's temple would have looked like um, back then would have made some of our structures today look pretty amateur. And um, after that, you know, Jesus leads his disciples up to the Mount of Olives and then gives one of the most profound discourses, I think, in the Gospels of what is expected to come uh, when we're talking about all this end time stuff and... um, what to expect. So I I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's wrong to be concerned about what's going on because this whole teaching in the Olivet Discourse of Matthew 24 has a main application, um, that Jesus is teaching. Now know that Jesus is teaching to the Jews, right? So all end time events, uh, take place in the Middle East. 
They take place in Israel. It doesn't take place in America. It doesn't take place, you know, in Australia or New Zealand. This is completely 100% in the Middle East, in Israel, that all this stuff happens. Now, that's one thing I do think that um, is kind of mistreated or misunderstood with a lot of teachers is that um, they'll immediately say, well, America's got to go through a time of judgment. Um, America has to uh, do so much with Israel and that uh, we're going to fall first. And no, no, no. Everything that is eschatological, um, eschatological, (laughs) sorry about that, um, or end time related takes place in Israel. And uh, we, we just have to be aware of that uh, so we don't get misled or we become deceived uh, by false teachers, right? Um, we want to stand on the word of truth and we want God's word to um, remain in our hearts. So let me, um, I'm going to read Matthew 24, uh, starting in verse 4 here. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will mislead many people. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Uh, that's nothing new, right? That's been happening for four or 5,000 years. See that you are not alarmed. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. And we saw a birth pain once uh, Hamas attacked uh, Israel, right? That 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 would be considered a birth pain. And then in verse 9, Then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Is Israel not hated by all nations? Yes, they have allies and United States is an ally of of Israel, and we help them and we support them. But how many nations around the world truly hate Israel? Uh, it, it's wild. In verse ten, and at that time many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So there's a couple things here, right? Um, That I do think that we are seeing today uh, in a more intensified version than probably what would have taken place um, back in these times of Jesus' ministry. And... One thing is the love of all people growing cold. How many people, especially in the church today, this is what really um, concerns me, is that how many people no longer want to be vulnerable, held accountable, and love on one another and help them grow and sharpen and um, deepen their love for the Lord. It uh, To me, that's one of the most concerning things because when we're talking about even famines to come, Sure, a famine of food, water, uh, natural resources, that's, that's bad. It's terrible. It affects everybody. 
But I do believe that the greatest famine that the world will ever see or face is a famine of the word of God or people reading the Bible. I do believe that that's going to be the greatest famine that we ever see because without the truth of scripture, there's absolutely no way that love and grace can reside in the heart of humankind. So we, the principle of all this and then the application of Matthew 24 um, verses 3 through 14, what I just read, is to remain watchful. Look up. Let your heart, let the eyes of your heart look up to the Lord. Uh, if we don't do that, the we could be distracted so easily. And the risk of being misled or deceived is so great that um, we won't be able to discern what is truth, what is reality, what what is of the kingdom of God, what is not. So we have to remain watchful with our eyes always looking up. Now in Luke uh, 21, starting in verse 10, let me read this to you. Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be massive earthquakes, and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrible sights and great signs from heaven. I think we see a lot of this today. And even though this is uh, paralleling the Hollywood Discourse, we are truly seeing some of this stuff today. There's been earthquakes all over Afghanistan lately that are, you know, registering um, a six on um, the Richter scale. And those are pretty big earthquakes for that part of the world. And um, so we, we need to be watchful with that, right? Because um, one of the things that, that'll take place is a massive earthquake in Jerusalem. And you're going to see infrastructure falling to the ground, um, no longer standing. So that is another birth pain that uh, continues just to um, be the world groaning uh, for the return of our king. And I do encourage you to read all of Matthew 24 and all of Luke 21 because the context of it is uh, going to give you hope. It's going to give you joy in knowing that what we're seeing in the world today will soon come to pass and we no longer have to worry about this type of sin. Um, all this is due to sin, right? Um, wars, bloodshed, all that stuff. It, it's due to a cursed world, a sinful and fallen world. But even though we go through this and we witness it and we see it and many innocent lives are lost, there's one thing that still stands, one thing, and that is God's love towards all humanity. You know, even though the world looks like a terrible place right now, God is still good and he is still alive. So I want you to have hope in knowing whatever the media is telling you about how horrible or terrible or horrific all this stuff is that's going on between Russia and Ukraine and Iran, Israel, Gaza, Syria, um, all these places. God is still good. He still reigns. He will reign forever. And Jesus is still King and Lord. Um, and may that produce a hope in you that, that just really draws you close um, to Jesus.
First Thessalonians even talks a little bit about what's called the day of the Lord. And, um, you know, I know that we don't know the day, the time, or the hour that Jesus will return because that is up to the Father, right? God the Father. It's not up to us. It's not up to anybody to even predict when Jesus will come. But we can know the signs. And actually, before I get to 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to read you a scripture that actually goes with that of knowing um, the signs and uh, kind of why we need to be watchful. And this goes along with Matthew 24 and Luke 21. So in Matthew 16, verses 2 through 3, this is the evidence of the promise of Jesus' return. And uh, here's what it says, starting in verse 2. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you are unable to discern the signs of the times. And then let's just go to verse 4. An evil and adulterous generation wants a sign, and so a sign will not be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And when he left them and went away. So why should we be watchful? So we can discern the times, right? The seasons, what's going on in the world. And we can make some practical application of what Jesus is teaching. Um, and when we look at this and what Jesus just said, and then we go back to the Olivet Discourse, and then what Luke is saying, I mean, it's pretty evident that Jesus is going to stick to his promise, and he is going to return one day. There's no doubt about that. As far as the day, the time, or the hour, irrelevant to us. Um, that's only for God the Father to know. And you know what? If it comes during our time, amen. If it doesn't, we need to keep working for the Lord, right? We need to keep working. We need to keep seeking and finding and sharing the gospel with the lost souls. Um, if a lost soul matters to God, it should matter to us as well. So now when we look at the day of the Lord, um, before I got off track there a little bit, first Thessalonians five, the day of the Lord's not going to be a great thing. Just so we all know that, um, it's going to look a lot like, you know, in Noah's time and there's going to be a lot going on. Uh, let's just start here. Um, I'll start from the very first verse. I'm going to read a little bit just so you kind of get the context of what's going on for the day of the Lord. Now as to the periods and times, brothers and sisters, you have no need of anything to be written to you for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord is coming just like a thief in the night. What was that like when Hamas attacked Israel? It was like a thief in the night, right? Nobody expected it. While they are saying, peace and safety, how many times have we heard that? I mean, thousands of years, right? Then sudden destruction. I think this is a great thing to um, uh, to use this uh, Israel war as an example because Hamas was actually just ready to, they were talking peace with Israel, and just a couple days later, all of a sudden, 
sudden destruction. There's rockets flying everywhere and uh, things blowing up. Unreal. So peace and safety. Then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. That's all of us believers, brothers and sisters in the kingdom, working for Jesus, loving on him, doing his work, doing the kingdom business, so that the day would... <clears throat> excuse me. Let's start back at verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let's not sleep as others do, but let's be alert and sober. Right there, we see the Olivet Discourse, be watchful. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let's be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now we're getting a little bit of Ephesians 6, Paul teaching on... uh, This is going to parallel what Paul's teaching on the armor of God. For God has not destined us for wrath. Not a single person on this planet did he ever destined for wrath. Not at all. Jesus loves all people, wants all people to be with him. But for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So how many people in the church today even follow that last verse I just read in verse 11? Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you also are doing. That's something as a capital C church, I think we need to do a little bit better. Now, I'm not going to point a finger of blame at anybody or any church or anything like that. I just think... As we're seeing all this stuff take place and that we know out of around 2,500 prophecies that are in the Bible between both Old and New Testament that a little over 2,000 of them are fulfilled, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time left. It really doesn't. And when we think on a prophetical timeline, I mean, that could happen in a blink of an eye where all those are fulfilled, right? Um, Again, not up to us when it's all fulfilled. It's up to up to the Father, but we need to encourage one another, build one another up, love on one another, and continue growing in our love for the Lord. So I encourage you again, you know, read all of 1 Thessalonians 5. This is going to be some really good stuff, um, especially if you're having fear of over what's really going on uh, with all these wars, with all all the bad stuff like earthquakes going on, these volcanoes, um, even some famine in places, uh, these will really give you a hope that you could share with somebody else, especially if they're fearful, right? We're not supposed to have a spirit of fear, um, but of love, right? So I even encourage you to uh, teach someone else uh, these passages so that they as well can have some hope. Now, in a very, uh, I'm just going to say a general survey of a few things to come and knowing 
Well, where are we at and what things have taken place um, as far as uh, some end time stuff? And, you know, are we truly getting close to Jesus' return? Um, There's a whole lot more to it than what I'm going to teach here uh, in this episode. Just know that too. Uh, eschatology goes really deep. There's a ton of historical and cultural context that needs to, uh, be addressed, um, actually in the original languages that, um, will give a better understanding than what we can do right now in a, in the English text. Right. But here's a few things that, um, through all the passages I just read to you that, uh, you could, you could look back uh, look at scripture and then look at what's truly going on. Um, false prophets will come. There's tons of them, especially on YouTube. Uh, be really careful what you do watch on YouTube as far as people claiming to be prophets. Um, if they're going to claim to be, if somebody's going to claim to be a prophet, they need to be 100% accurate. A 99.8% is not enough to claim to be a prophet, when we look at all the major and minor prophets, everything that they prophesied came to pass. Everything was 100%. So we have to we have to measure that according to what a prophet was in the Bible. Um, so 98.989 or 99.9% doesn't even qualify somebody to be a prophet. It has to be 100% true, 100% accurate every time. So false prophets will come. Be careful on YouTube. Wars in the world. It seems like there's starting to become, you know, more and more and more wars. Uh, even if they're little wars, Africa is just exploding with wars right now that, that nobody's talking about. Um, and they're smaller. They're obviously not the scale of, you know, what's going on in Israel or what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, but even look towards uh, Japan and China. Uh, there's stuff going on in those countries as well that uh, people don't talk about. Earthquakes. Tons of them. Everywhere. They're bad. Um, I've never felt an earthquake before. I would like to feel one just to understand what it's like to go through one. But um, for the end time earthquake, I really don't want to be around for that because that's going to be pretty bad. Uh, incurable diseases, famines, and pestilences. Now let's talk about famines again. Remember, I think the worst one, and I think everybody would agree, is going to be a famine of the word of God. Uh, Christians being persecuted, and that's actually becoming a whole lot worse. And I'm not pushing off of what happened you know, in Scripture and in the Old Testament and our, to our ancient brothers and sisters. I mean, that's really, really, really important to understand the persecution they went through. But all the modern advances we have creates volume and intensity. So it's going to get bad. Uh, lawlessness and wickedness and evils growing. Um, one that my heart mourns over is uh, the love that believers in Jesus are supposed to have towards one another and towards the lost soul is going to become cold. It's going to start growing cold. My heart just mourns over that. And, uh, you know, if you see that in your local church or 
um, in your community. Please just love on one another and care for one another and, and try to just let people see Jesus through you because without love, we honestly have nothing. Um, the world needs to see Jesus. They need to see the unconditional love of Christ through the believer. Now, I know that Jesus is not all love all the time because we, we do got to understand that there is a wrathful side, and that's got to do with uh, justice, which um, will come and is completely justified, just like Israel attacking Hamas, completely justified. But um, show the world the love of Jesus. Um, and one thing that has already taken place is Israel became a nation. So when it comes to what's going on in Israel, one thing I do want to share is, um, you know, the word Hamas, what, what is Hamas and how was it used in scripture? Because it is, uh, it is a word in scripture, uh, in, in, in the Hebrew, it actually means it's a verb. So in the Hebrew as a verb, it also means to take by violence, to rob, to destroy, um, an act of aggression, um, involving physical contact. So this is stemming back all the way to Ishmael. Um, Hamas is not a good word. It's actually an inversion of the kingdom of God. And it's a very antichrist word because it involves death. It's a, it's a word of death. And then the Islamic faith, it's a religion of death. Well, we all know that Jesus is, um, is life, right? He's the bread of life, the tree of life, uh, the water of life. And, uh, Yes, when we become a believer, we die to our old selves, but we're resurrected into life. With uh, with Hamas, they're they're continuing the Antichrist type spirit. They're they're living in a religion of death, and it's it's mourning, it's heartbreaking, and my heart mourns for everybody that's a part of that, and they don't even realize it. Now, I know you're not going to, you know, just go over to uh, Gaza and start pouring into people. Um, Well, number one, it'd be super dangerous right now and not very wise to go do that. But here's my challenge to you. Here's a practical application that I want all of you listening to do. I want you to start praying for all people of Israel, specifically for Jerusalem, and I want you to pray for everybody in Gaza, including the terrorists that did this nasty attack on Israel and all of Hamas. Start praying for the Middle East, for God to intervene, and that Christ would win and have the victory, and that it would be known all over the world who has the victory, and that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Thank you again for coming back on Mission 2819. Again, I I encourage you, grab your Bibles, read the passages that we went over today, and continue chasing after God's heart. Be in prayer, love on one another, 
Invite somebody to church. Love one another. Pray for one another. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. 